Our first reading today from Jeremiah chapter 11 uh, picks up on the words that we spoke together from Psalm 37, that we should not fret ourselves over uh, those who are evil and when they prosper, but put our trust in the Lord. Because the Lord revealed their plot to me, I knew it, for at that time he showed me what they were doing. I had been like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not realize that they had plotted against me, saying, let us destroy the tree and its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But, O Lord Almighty, you who judge righteously and test the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading from James chapter 3, beginning with verse 13, also serves as our sermon text for today. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel reading from Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 30. Glory to you, O Lord. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? 
They kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Amen. May God renew our love for God and for one another as we hear his word today. Our uh, sermon text for today, as I mentioned before, is from our second reading. And our readings all, uh, in one way or another, have to do with a warning against envy and selfish ambition, uh, which lead to fights and quarrels and, and to all kinds of other evil. In the Old Testament reading, Jeremiah cries out to God against those who, who plotted to take his life, those were, who are envious of him, what God was doing through him, those who didn't want to hear the word of God. In the Gospel reading, Jesus corrects the disciples who are arguing with each other about who is the greatest. He takes a young child and has the child stand among them, and taking the child in his arms, he says, this is the one you should welcome, instead of someone famous or powerful. In welcoming a child, Jesus tells them, they welcomed him and the one who had sent him, his Father in heaven. Our second reading from James, goes into great detail, warning against envy and ambition. James, uh, who is the author, the commonly accepted author of this epistle, this letter, uh, died in AD 62, and so this letter preceded that date. And it seems clear from the contents of James that he's, he's writing to a Christian community and communicating to them, possibly those who were there in Jerusalem where he served, Uh, how they should live as Christians. And so we can also gain great wisdom from James' uh, teaching, James' teaching. So let's turn to uh, our reading. If you want to turn to your reading in your your bulletin with me and uh, see what God's Word has to say to us about what it means to be wise, not in the ways of the world, but in the ways of God. James starts by saying, who who is wise and understanding among you? James is looking for for evidence. James is not content with his Christian uh, church, his congregation, to say they are Christian with their words and not with their lives. He's saying what you live out in your day-to-day life must match what you confess with your mouth. And if if it doesn't, there's a serious problem. And and that problem is is in the heart. Let him show it by his good life, James says to them, and and he says to us today. May those who are wise and understanding among us show it by our good lives, by deeds done in humility. Not in pride, but in humility. But, James writes, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, if if these things exist in you, don't deny it. Be honest with yourself and be be honest with God. 
Such wisdom, this kind of envy and selfish ambition, the kind that we saw in Jesus' own disciples, the kind that's in your heart and in my heart, it doesn't come from God. Actually, James says it's from Satan. It's from the devil. We like to point our fingers at others and and point out their sins, but the law hasn't done its work until it's pointed out our sins. When we experience selfish ambition, when we experience envy, when we look at something that our neighbor has and want it for ourselves, when we strive to get ahead of someone else, this is not from God, but from the the enemy, from the devil. James goes on to write in verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is is like this. It's pure. It's peace-loving. It's considerate. It it cares about the other above oneself. It's submissive. That's not a very popular word in our society. A submissive person is looked down on, weak. But James writes that a submissive person is exhibiting a trait that is from God. Jesus humbled himself. He submitted himself to his Father's will. He humbled himself to be born of of a virgin here on earth, to become one like us. Being submissive is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of godliness, a sign of strength. The wisdom that comes from heaven is also full of mercy. Not unforgiving, but forgiving. And good fruit. Impartial. Not treating one person better than another because they're wealthy or because they're, they're popular. Impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. This is the type of wisdom that we are called to live out in our lives as Christians, not just confessing with our mouths what we believe, but showing it with the way we live out our day-to-day lives. And now James addresses the, the main issue. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires battling within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. We think of the first brothers, Cain and Abel, and Cain's envy of Abel when Abel brought this worthy sacrifice to God in Genesis. And God was pleased with what Abel brought him, and and Cain was very unhappy. Out of envy, he struck his brother and killed him and tried to hide the evidence. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God, and when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives to spend what you get on your own pleasures. James is teaching us to put our faith in God, to trust him, to turn to him, to ask for what we need, but not with impure motives. Not so that I might get ahead or that you might get ahead, but that the other might be blessed. James uses the word adulterous, a word that's often used in the Old Testament to to describe the idolatry of Israel. You adulterous people. In other words, Here you are, people called by God to be his own, to be his bride, the bride of Christ. 
and yet you're committing adultery with Jesus. And we are guilty of committing adultery as, as a church. When we place something in this world above our relationship with God, we, like the people James is addressing, are an adulterous people. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. We want to have it both ways. We want to have uh, our, our Christian connection. We want to have our relationship with God. We want to have uh, the promises that he freely offers. And at the same time, we want to have our finger in the world. And we want to enjoy the things of this world and everything that this world can offer. James writes, you can't have it both ways. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This is something that we don't, we don't ponder enough. We don't consider enough. That we went, when we let our hearts uh, be caught up in the things of this world, that what we are actually doing is driving a wedge between, between us and God. There's a saying that we are called by Scripture to, to love people and to use things but often we end up loving things and using people to get them. And, and examine your own heart. How has this been true in your own life? Loving things and using people. This is not of God, but of the devil. God teaches us a different way. And he shows it, above all, through his son. He shows what it means to truly be a friend. If you uh, would like to turn to your Bibles in John uh, John chapter 15, verse 15. As Jesus prepares to, to depart from his disciples, as he prepares for his crucifixion, As he warns them about what is to come, he wants them to know how great his love for them is. In verse 15, Jesus says to his disciples, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Jesus could call us his his servants. And in some places, God's people are called the servants of God. And rightly so. If God so chose, he could call us his his peons, I suppose, his minions, and he would be right to do so. Who are we compared to God? And yet, in love, Jesus calls you friend. Jesus called his disciples friends, and he, and he made everything known to them. Jesus is your friend. Maybe we don't think about that enough. 
Some people are afraid of God. Some people hate God. Some people choose to disbelieve God. But who is it that that understands what it means that Jesus calls himself our friend? Earlier, just before this, he said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus showed the greatest love, the greatest friendship, by laying down his life for us. We are truly blessed to have earthly friends. I'm blessed to have uh, family in town this week, and my friend Lee came down from Kentucky to help me with a project, uh, with a couple projects. <laughs> friendship is a great blessing. And uh, there's, a, there's a popular song out right now, it's a country song that talks about love is something you can't buy or sell. So if you have love, you must be a millionaire, better than a millionaire. And it's, a, it's an interesting way of thinking about friendship, that when one has friendship, friendship isn't somewhat, something that you can buy or sell. It's something that's either freely given or not. It's priceless. And as wonderful as it is to have an earthly friend, a friend in need, a friend indeed, a friend who really is there for you. And how, what a rarity that is. How much greater to have God as your friend. How much greater to know that Jesus is your friend. He calls himself your friend. There's another saying that a friend is the one who, who knows all your faults and still loves you, still cares about you. And uh, I have a wonderful friend in my wife. She, she knows a lot of my faults. Maybe not all of them, but she knows a lot of my faults after being married for 27 years and, and being friends for 37 years. But there's one who knows all of your faults. God knows every dark secret about you and every dark secret in my life, and, and he still loves you. He still calls you his friend. Even after the disciples had made fools of themselves, even after they had argued about who is the greatest and done all these things, even after they denied Jesus, even after Peter repeatedly denied Jesus, he still came to them as their friend. And he is your friend. Despite every, everything that you've ever done that's wrong, despite everything you've ever done to, to show that you're more a friend of the world than a friend of God, despite all your adulterous ways and despite all of mine, he calls you his friend. What a blessing it is to know that Jesus is our friend, to know that he laid down his life for you, his friends, and rose again that he might spend an eternal friendship with you in heaven. And all God's people said,